1: Take them ropes, Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, back with you. This this show, in my mind, had three different beginnings in terms of uh, how I was gonna start this because it my feelings changed over the week, and Chris will be able to help me work through my feelings as I often do. On I'm show. here.
0: I'm here to help. <laughs> this is a place for feelings.
1: Because Monday night after Raw, I was incredibly sad. Um, and it it has nothing, I mean, it's more a selfish kind of sad for what could have been for Becky's career and, and you know, how now we'll never see really a horsewomen angle, which they were never interested in on the main roster. And then last night, Friday night, after watching SmackDown and watching that absolutely rewriting history video package on Becky, which was very good. But absolute BS. It was absolute BS because Becky, much like Daniel Bryan, is an accidental superstar. And we'll go into that as we look through her career because I'm treating this as a post-Mormon in her career. Because I don't think we're ever going to see her again. And if we do, it'll probably be for it'll one match.
0: Five to seven years, I think. She's she's on that long departure, don't expect her back next year sort of arc, I'd say, at bare minimum.
1: Too many people are like, I'm gone for now, and took that as literal. And I think she's a stay-at-home, raise-a-family type here that might come back for one match, or we'll see her when set the sides you know hey i want to help raise my kids <laughs> instead of being on the road type of thing as well i don't think it's going to be a
0: split I don't know that thing. that's the most likely outcome of what happens with Seth the becky but I'll yes be i'm not gonna
1: i'm not gonna opine on that
0: um <laughs> hey what's your favorite dusty roads moment i'll tell you mine mine is where the <laughs> kids are sitting in the living room and they're all watching tv and they're like what are we going to do today? Saturday's pretty boring. And then all of a sudden, Dusty Rhodes bursts in through the brick wall. And he's like, oh, yeah, Dusty <laughs> Rhodes. How about you?
1: Oh, We'll get to the Otis stuff in a sec. But um, I'm fired up today because I realize on Saturday morning, I started a thread which just kind of blew up about because I was watching Evolution 2018 which is a very underrated match in the Becky canon, because I was asking what are the great matches that she's had, and there's the TakeOver match, there's this one, and then there are some very good ones. Um, you know, a couple of Asuka matches, the Sasha matches. You know, the Hell in the Cell was quite good, but it's just overshadowed by that crap show that the Seth Bray Wyatt Hell in a Cell was. We should be celebrating Becky Lynch, because she absolutely over. Over delivered on what her career trajectory could have been in terms of how the WWE yeah, system the uses Dana
0: people. Arc, right? yeah. She was very much on that mid card, we don't quite know what to do with you, uh, going all the way back to River Dancing, um, which yeah. I think a lot of us forget about, but I remember vividly River Dancing, Becky Lynch crossing her arms and doing like. A little dance thing and then kicking people. I don't know if you guys remember this, but I mean, she used to be Irish McIrishan.
1: Yeah, let's um, and and Shake them Ropes has kind of survived the uh, not survived, but has been around for the Becky WWE era stuff. So I'll take this a little bit chronologically, and and we can all reminisce a bit together here. Um, she had taken a few years off after getting a head injury and in Shimmer, I believe it was, and got signed to this deal, two year deal in in wwe um if you really want to go see i think the most pure becky lynch when she's still rebecca knox doing uh being a second for the kingdom which was uh soraya knight and uh Paige, kind of kind of being a manager and just dancing and being kind of goofy that's always the most pure version is you know the pun the punster on twitter Becky Lynch later in NXT, but she comes in and yes, she is, she is river dance, McRiver dance, you know, full green sequins doing a dance. Yeah. Bright want- red hair or not oh, bright red yeah. hair. It's
0: kind of orange. What people is she supposed to represent? It's so hard to tell. It's subtle. <laughs> it's so subtle, but you're
1: watching her and you know that there's something there because she's doing these suplexes and and she's really doing some catch us catch can and and Rob and I, I I listened to some of the audio there and we're like there's something here that they're just absolutely missing on in favor of making her entertaining and so we get into the start of the ascent of Sasha Banks and and Charlotte Flair where you know and, and it's basically the, what we like to call sting bailey uh, period where 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 Bailey would find friends to fight Sasha and all of them would turn on her. And it started with Charlotte Flair. And we had that. And then Charlotte and Sasha started a rivalry after that. And then Bailey brings in Becky Lynch to help combat Charlotte and Sasha and the BFFs. And Becky turns on Bailey and they become Team Bay, best at everything, which was... Very underrated little, little pairing, I thought, in, in the canon. And then it becomes this weird four-way feud between the four, of the, the four NXT horsewomen. And Becky decides that she wants a shot at the title after winning a triple threat. And we get to that NXT match in, I believe it's July of 2015. So she had already been on the roster about a year and a half, two years by now. And that really made... Becky, because before then, you know, she she was kind of trying to find gear and stuff to fit this heel character. She comes out as steampunk Becky, has a hell of a match, crowd babies her like a rock star after the takeover, at the end of the takeover. And two months later, she's on the main roster. So her NXT run is one of those where I I believe even Rob and I were like, is she gonna get cut because they just can't find anything to do with her to Rockets rocket success as part of this NXT horsewomen thing, which
0: You know what's interesting about that though is is this is a byproduct once again of WWE not knowing how to make a modern baby face. Yes. And the reason the crowd babied Becky with the steampunk gimmick, yes, they liked the steampunk gimmick, but the steampunk gimmick was way more relatable than what she had been doing before as Irish Riverdance, Becky Lynch. Like, like this is a much more relatable character and a much cooler character. And that gets into the other problem. They still tend to make cooler, more likable, more relatable heels than they do with baby faces.
1: Well, it's funny because now we're going to get into her main roster run. And it's almost a carbon copy. Because instead of... This is what drove me nuts at the time. And I was seething instead of looking at all this press that the nxt horsewomen got and going we can really just make a sweeping change in our women's division and make it a great wrestling division full of characters and stuff like that they decided to look at it as a stable and go who's the star of this and if they're the beatles sasha and, and charlotte are really john and and paul here. Because they they, they they knew that Sasha was red hot, but Charlotte's you know Charlotte's gigantic star.
0: The Charlotte's the Paul here, who they, yeah. they make all the pop hits with, but you end up getting wings.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shade Charlotte that much because she was always gonna be fine as a as a star. I'm sorry, I thought you wanted to say something else about Charlotte.
0: No, I don't have more to say than wings had some good songs. You want me to start humming Liver Let Die?
1: I love "Live and Let Die." I love "Band on the Run." I love
0: uh, you good know. sections in both of those songs, but "Jet." Mish- Jet's the best of those, but like, Jet's the one that's the most coherent of a song <laughs> all the way through. Whereas "Live or Let Die" or "Band on the Run" are both just like mishmashes of like song ideas that are strung together in either a very quote-unquote 1970s way or more, we're just patching together ideas using the tape reel.
1: Okay. (laughs) Back back to the Becky point before we get on music tangents.
0: It's on wings? Fine. Fine. (laughs) That's fine. No, it's cool. I'm I'm fine. Well, we can talk more about Dusty.
1: (laughs) Um, So we get uh, formerly the submission sorority going into now Team PCB, and Becky is basically there to take falls. Uh, for to get Paige and Charlotte over, you know, she got that one fall against Nikki Bella. I think if I, if I'm remembering correctly in the, in the main three versus three versus three match, but this thing was so, they had to cater to the give divas a chance hashtag as part of this revolution, which I just thought was unnecessary.
0: And then oh, boy. like even the whole women's evolution requires a lot of revisionist history. The, yes. the women's evolution was, was quote, was originally, I think the women's revolution or like a revolution, but the implication was the fans were pushing it back against WWE because they were sick of in the year 2013 or 2014, seeing a pink butterfly title belt for mm-hmm. the women because they thought it was demeaning.
1: You know, eventually Paige turns on Charlotte and Becky and then can't wrestle anymore Um, you know, and, and, and Becky is kind of then put in as the third wheel of that first triple threat at Mania, which is a quote unquote co-main event. But it was, I mean, everybody saw through this. Becky was there to take the fall because Sasha still was white hot, even though I think she should have won that match because Charlotte, Charlotte didn't need the, didn't need the help. But Becky takes the fall and gets the sexual harassment spot in the middle of me too if you remember that or right at the beginning of it towards the beginning
0: of it Blair stuff
1: yeah which has been memory hold on the match you don't see that anymore you don't see
0: that she's completely edited that whole section Mm -hmm. out
1: I believe so yeah wow and then she's in limbo again she kind of gets to play sting where she's a baby face and she's getting turned on by tag partners she's trying the whole putting in the brave from Disney gimmick of, you know, straight fire and shooting an arrow before she hits a forearm in the corner. And, and she eventually becomes the the centerpiece around the SmackDown women's title. But even in that thing, she's not the star. She's kind of there, you know, to put over Alexa bliss and she gets that feud with uh, N- Mickey James, which isn't half bad as La Luchadora. If you remember that thing.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that was actually kind of fun. And-, and-, and Mickey turned in a good match against Becky, too, if memory serves. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mickey, Mickey's great. I think Mickey's, again, we've, we've been over this before. Mickey's the possibly the big,
0: most underrated person ever. Match. The bar was super low for that takeover match. Um, like, like, people were not expecting a big match from Mickey mm-hmm. coming back in her return, and I, I wouldn't say she turned in an all-time classic. It was a life change, But it was like she vastly overperformed expectations at the takeover.
1: Then we get, you know, these feuds with Natty and Carmella. And, and and you know, she's teaming with Naomi. Don't
0: forget about a big old Nia Jax push in the middle that was a heat killer for everyone.
1: Well, well that comes, I think, is this the second one or the one that you're thinking of where she gets punched in the face?
0: Um, That one actually ends up helping her. But, like, yes. there's... Yeah, yeah, but the, I think the first one doesn't. Okay. Nia, Nia's just, like, gobbling through everyone.
1: Yeah, she, and, and, and Becky's not even on WrestleManias unless they're in multi-person matches or a battle royale. But it's one of those things where, like, every week, like, we're just throwing up our hands because she's getting these stupid distraction losses where somebody's music plays and Becky gets rolled up and you're like, she's a geek of a champ. And, and eventually, people are starting to get pissed at this and it culminates when Rhonda comes in and the whole plan there is to build up a couple people for Rhonda and Charlotte to beat, to bring up Charlotte and Rhonda at mania. And so we get to the survivors or not survivor series, but I believe it was, is it TLC before that or is it extreme rules or something where we have baby face, Becky versus Becky, uh, Becky face, <laughs> baby face flair. And after the match, after after some fluke win, Becky just lays into Charlotte and the crowd erupts.
0: Right, right. It's supposed to be – this is supposed to turn Becky heel. Yes. But what Becky is doing is essentially an audience transference because the audience was ahead of the game on, quote, unquote, the dream match of Charlotte versus Ronda, and it wasn't their dream. It was a dream being <laughs> imposed upon them. And Becky becomes – The vehicle for this but once again mcmahon doesn't know how to make baby faces once again mcmahon makes cooler heels and heels that are more likable and more relatable than the baby faces they're supposed to be getting the heat for
1: yeah we get we get like two or three weeks of of you know becky doing the you people never supported me type of type of promo and road dog on twitter defending it and
0: we get and and those and great defenses too i mean like I, <laughs> it was the classic i'm sure some of you have seen the meme principal skinner yes. no children are wrong like there's never been someone living deeper in that stereotype than road dog during those weeks chris
1: i used that exact meme in a reply to jim valley of, of figure four today for 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 the criticism oh, really? type thing yeah
0: put it nice
1: yeah um and so we get to this evolution match and it's much better than I remember, but you're watching this and on commentary, the entire match, they're trying to put over, you know, Michael Cole screaming that Becky Lynch has lost the faith of the locker room while everybody is chanting for Becky in this match. It is. There are tone deaf spots. There's a roar spot from Charlotte where Becky it's a last woman standing match between Charlotte and, and Becky. And, and she's piled on a bunch of stuff like a heel. And is sitting there on the ring, you know, nervous if Charlotte's going to stand up. And then Charlotte stands up and she begs off and she's running away. I'm like, it's not until the end of the match where Cole pivots on commentary and says, there are some people in the audience with a connection to Becky Lynch. And I just go, it took 35 minutes of this crowd dying for Becky to win. For Gorilla to make the call for Cole to pivot on commentary, I just could not believe it. And
0: even when they do that, like, they always do that with absolute reticence. It's so weird to watch older wrestling from, like, 1980 to anywhere in the mid-'90s. Like, all the way up to with the WWF, uh, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart feuding in U.S. and Canada thing, where the commentary used to be much better at taking the reaction of the audience and weaving it into the narrative. If not on that first broadcast, because everything was kind of bucking trends by the next show, they figured out how to work the way the audience reacted and are not trying to just steamroll past it.
1: Well, the difference is, is those guys, when they had headsets, they were just for time cues for the most part, or, or reminders of things. Now Vince is in the headset most of the time giving story cues and instead of letting them be in the moment,
0: They have big talking point things throughout the calls of each one of these matches. And I've seen the sheets. Um, and now I can absolutely 100% hear it cadentially when someone is working off of the sheets, the guys mm-hmm. are good at doing live reads or whatever, but you can just tell when someone is reading versus when someone is having to think word for word, because they're, you know, trying to extend the change on this sentence to get to a period. But also there's a certain blockiness to the way that, Vince and the WWE writing team does characterization and tells stories about the characters that uh, you you can't miss. It's not the way any normal human you've ever met talks.
1: So we get boo the woo, which was a fantastic phrase, uh, and then led into the man, because to be the man, you've got to beat the man, and Becky is now the man. And then the rocket starts to take off. They're still trying to make her a heel. They're now building her up against ronda rousey that dope ronda rousey um
0: <laughs> but it turns out that the man character uh, when when confronted like just stopping here real quickly you've got now ronda who is coming from a ufc run that ended with some controversy and did not make her the most endearing and they have been kind of you know f- fluxing in between with her character since so she had had some rocky outings along the way here i um, mean it kind of felt like she was being handed the keys to the kingdom because you would do that when you get someone like Ronda Rousey but you also had Becky here. Becky has now changed her character to the man which is as we are coming up on what's it, 2017 at this point 28. No this is this
1: is this is late 2018. Late
0: 2018. This is a very fresh character in 2018. I mean I we're like in the middle of 2020. I'm not you know doing like ancient history here or anything. Yeah. But like this is a very of this decade style character. Whereas Charlotte Flair is a fantasy princess character from yesteryear. It, it's not like what what she is doing. It's it's a classic character in that sense. Um, And, and classic is good, but it's also older. And you want Charlotte to be the baby face.
1: Well, it, it's not only older, but Charlotte's character. The problem for me for Charlotte's character is it's never grown. It's never.
0: She's not great at it like Rick was. It, it, it Well, Rick
1: could cut promos. And she's not allowed. All, all she does is say, "I'm a flair, I'm the queen. Right. I was born for this woo. that That's every promo she's ever done on the main roster And The, the
0: other team. thing with Rick too, um, what they are doing is they are porting exactly one iteration of Rick onto Charlotte. And Remember what titles? <laughs> right, right, exactly. And that's it. like it's it's the titles. without the fact that, like, what made Rick so great and what made our connection to Rick so deep, is that, like, he has all these different iterations. He's a good guy. He's a bad guy. You were booing him last week. Now, this week, you don't really trust him, but you want to like him because he's cool, and the figure four leg locks are really exciting. Like, he has all these layers, and the connection and the intensity of the connection, much like Dusty Rhodes, it comes from the layers. It's not polka dot Dusty, right? It's all these different, and obviously, Dusty's interactions with Flair, the layers and the depth to all of those interactions that's what creates the classicness of the characters so then when rick comes out in the robe yeah there were other guys before him who came out in a robe gorgeous george came out in a robe but rick's robe symbolized that this dude had traveled around and he really believed he was the best also being a traveling champion back in the 70s was really cool for that um and charlotte's just coming out there wearing daddy's clothes
1: yeah, But we're now at Survivor Series 2018, which was here in Los Angeles. And the, 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 the match was going to be Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. And the crowd was fighting the company at this, if you remember, because everybody could see the writing on the wall. Becky loses to Ronda. Ronda takes on Charlotte, quote-unquote, main event at WrestleMania. And we're doing t-shirt wars, you know. This is also killing the Ronda push. Let in, us in, talk about this. Yes, yeah. It is a bit, but but we do t- we're doing T-shirt wars, and SmackDown invades Raw, I believe, and Nia Jax stiffs Becky right in the nose, boom, broken nose, I think cracked orbital bone, biggest match of Becky's career, matches off, but there's that final shot of that Raw, I believe, with Becky defiantly with a bloody face. Just look at, and now, she's an absolute rock star. You can't beat this woman at Survivor Series. Are you insane right now?
0: The crowd is in love with her. She's pulled she's from the, the tough, match. She's the toughest woman presentation. Mm-hmm. Ironically, you have Bronda, who you were bringing in to exude yes. a couple of toughness, and... Becky Lynch finds a way to do it within the context of professional wrestling without having to import it from UFC.
1: Exactly. You are dead on on that. She was tougher than Rhonda, who was playing weird verbal games and doing these, these weird promos that she'd never say that were written by Heyman or Vince. And you're just like, and she's she's coming off as petulant at this point as opposed to, woman of the people or, or fangirl, Rhonda, if you recall. So people are starting to turn on her as well, but Becky has to give up the match and gives it to Charlotte. Well, Charlotte was already promised pretty much the main event slot at, at mania. So we get into this convoluted three-way build TLC. We do the, we do the triple threat match. Um, am I re- remembering that correctly between Oscar becky and and charlotte so that we can get to the winner takes all
0: yeah i think that that's right i think that's right Or no no no
1: oscar won there and i think they may have yeah they took off took off the belt later to to get to the winner takes all but we're we're starting we're starting charlotte, the
0: the, the this is where charlotte ends Oscar's streak right yeah yeah
1: well no 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 no. we had the three-way between oscar charlotte and uh I, I might be, well, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It
0: really doesn't matter, yeah. This from, is great. Janu- from
1: January up until April, we have this convoluted three-way build now between Charlotte, Becky, and Ronda when it would have been much better if it had just been a straight one-on-one between Becky and Ronda. And that, to me, is the real tragedy because I don't think it doesn't matter how hot you can try and make Sasha ever again. And I don't think you can same, same a little bit with Bailey. And I find both of those unfortunate circumstances. I don't think women ever main event mania again, unless Rhonda comes back full time for a strong run.
0: I think After, that that's right. And, and I think, you know, this illustrates a kind of another organizational problem with this company where they're willing to risk physicality with people when it comes to using ladders chairs, tables. Jeff, you can come back from, like, blowing out your knee and we'll put you (laughs) in a ladder match. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, of course. But when it comes to having a, I'm not saying a King's Road level of grit and grind sort of match, but having some degree of stiffness, the the hoss match, if you will. This company is gun-shy about it, but they'll throw you off of a balcony or throw you through tables or have you take a huge bump off of a ladder onto another ladder on the outside of the ring all day. It's very strange. And this is exactly what Becky and Ronda needed. They needed a match where they could slug at each other because both of them, you you bring in Ronda to import this new toughness into the division. Becky had been building up this toughness. These two needed to be throwing forearms at each other, tough-looking kicks at each other. Like, they needed to be slugging it out a little bit and then throwing some stiff-looking suplexes. And that's what people wanted to see, too.
1: Yeah, and and then Becky is then – Coronated at Mania after a 12-hour WrestleMania at 1 a.m. New York time, and she just becomes every other. How do I put this? Because they wanted to make her Steve Austin, but she's coming off as like modern-day Drew McIntyre in That's many ways.
0: The company doesn't tell defense stories. Yeah, like, this company has been pretty atrocious. Okay, they're okay at the getting the belt story. If you want to give him credit on that, okay, I don't want to fight you on this. Tell me, listeners, tell me one good I've got to defend this title story arc that you've seen in the last five years on this show. They don't do it. I mean, right down to Daniel Bryan. The first title defense for Daniel Bryan was like this weird plunder match involving a forklift against Kane. That was the big we got to have Daniel defend the title moment this company's not any good at the second part of the story, which is, okay, our heroes got the MacGuffin. What now?
1: Yeah, because what they did, did a lot of it. I mean, you remember the story they did when they brought up Lacey. It was the Lacey and Corbin versus Seth and Becky thing, where if one of them lose, they both lose the titles. The Asuka and Sasha feuds were underwhelming as feuds. The matches themselves were quite good, but I, I just think they're not as memorable.
0: Titles in defending them, not even a good storyline. Mm-hmm. But that is a more thought-out storyline than eighty percent of the "I've got the title now, what" storylines.
1: Yeah, like if 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 either the Sasha Hell in the Cell story, or or the Oscar I'm going to beat you because I've never beaten you story, were well told, in ter- instead of just kind of a hot shot type thing, I, I think we'd remember those matches a lot more vividly. And then, you know, we were starting to kind of get to that, although it looked like Becky was going to face Nia at this Money in the Bank pay-per-view before the word of her pregnancy came out. And so now we have this retirement, quote-unquote retirement, going away for a while, we'll call it that. Sabbatical, if you
0: will. Where WWE takes credit for her <laughs> massive rights. That reference. That was an Otis reference. Hmm?
1: <laughs> yes, because Otis is the new Dusty, which is the worst take on the internet. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> I keep making those jokes all episode. Thank you very much.
1: Oh geez, um, but yeah, they, they do this. This they do a great video package in 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 remembrance of Becky. But you, you think about all this and you go, God, Becky, out kicked her coverage after this company was trying to just – work against her so hard and, you, and i got mad at it and now i'm just like no now we need to celebrate so chris what is becky lynch's legacy in
0: wwe well drew mcintyre basically stole her character so she lives on
1: i think she's gonna be remembered as a great character i think she's gonna be remembered i think i think her place in in women's wrestling history with the ronda and then charlotte triple threat and main eventing is very very important because i don't think again i said i don't think we're going to see women really main event ever again they may co-main event you may get like a oh sasha and uh and and charlotte at mania but they're a co-main event behind you know braun and roman
0: 12 or whatever but no i'll give you a serious answer on this her her legacy is going to be she is the toughest on-screen performer that wwe had in the decade 20 in the 2010s and um she for what they were able to get out of her which is more than they were trying to get out of her they left a ton on the table
1: i will agree with that i i think they they left a ton on the table
0: i had to stop on the toughness thing only because oscar's there Um, and Asuka's amazing, but, I mean, when we we recap the orbital bone bone fracture, coming up with the man, the leather jackets, I mean, she just, she brought in a new level of toughness that, you know, people like Shayna Baszler, I I think, have been able to kind of look at that model, and that's helped refine Shayna's character, so you see a little bit of uh, Becky's legacy there, too, Um, and I, I think that it's just, it's unfortunate that this template for toughness and this template for confidence um that is closer to where people are these days um was looked at by vince mcmahon as weird i think he probably chuckled every time she said she was the man just for like uh, but she's a woman <laughs> I, I had <laughs>
1: forgot about quinoa video becky in the back backstage thing doing the jokes and then also you know the mix match challenge becky with sammy Zayn, which was
0: Fantastic. Okay, but that was awesome because she was like, "I want to fix you, Sammy." I want to because Sammy was a heel at that point. He had just turned heel, and he would always been baby faced prior to that. And Becky was trying to. Yeah,
1: help. I mean, <laughs> she, she, but but see, that's that for me is the issue with with your toughness character point. Because as tough as she as as that character was, they never really went double down on the toughness thing,
0: because she had to well, cut that, but the energy. T- point is that, that she yeah. came up with a model that they didn't utilize.
1: Yeah, they 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 wanted to get back to, you know, kind of wisecracking Becky at the same time, and the two just didn't mesh.
0: With the the wisecracking Becky, I think, is also an impulse that Becky has too. Yes, yes so it's her I, I, I Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. Yes, WWE was all too happy to embrace stuff that would make her a little more downwardly mobile, but, like, Becky Lynch likes to crack herself a joke. And it's not a knock on Becky Lynch, but the, the man character need – and she figured this out later – needed to be funny at other people's expense.
1: Okay. I, I think, for me, the lost legacy is the fact that they just did not – we did not get the great one-on-one in-ring – feuds between the Asuka, becky charlotte's sasha's and bailey's you know that that we were really thinking would change women's wrestling and and everybody's a part of the story unfortunately but but you know we don't we, you know when, when you look back and you go okay who was sasha's or not sasha who was becky's uh you know terry funk rick flair or rick flair ricky steamboat type of rivalry and you don't have it you have a couple matches here and there but there's not that big resume to go back to so uh ice cold thoughts on on money in the bank Chris do you have any
0: yeah uh a lot of people seem to enjoy the money in the bank match far more than I did uh, i I wouldn't say we were at edge Randy orton territory, but the gimmicky style stuff with the humor, like WWE humor sucks. Uh, I, I, they just aren't funny far too often. Steph and Vince. (laughs) Steph Steph was horrible, right? Like, like Steph was like a D level actress. Hey, what are you guys? You can't be in there. That's not the real place. Ha ha. Uh, Terrible. Terrible. The soundtracking choices. This is a company, Jeff. This is a company that has, Had an in house music team for nearly 30 years. And the soundtracking choices during this were like, all right, play dramatic music three here. Okay, I guess play four here. All right, play zany music two here. Like, no thought whatsoever to the music choices. Does it need music? Not entirely clear to me. Long term, would this just have been better with canned audiences popping and doing some cheering or, crazy idea here, do some commentary? Just do it as commentary. Yeah, I. <laughs> I mean, it's not great because you're gonna end up with the wacky races vibe, right? Like now, Oscar's dashing to the elevator. Yeah, no. the,
1: the, you know what? You, you hit on something that I didn't mention. I did. I did the post show on, uh, on Fightful, and those are where my hot takes are gonna be. They they wanted the mad, 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 mad world, cannonball run, wacky races vibe to this, and I just don't think they got there.
0: No, because the wacky races. The Wacky Races, each character had a gimmick mm-hmm. to how they were going to get to the top. And yes. so, like, what what is fun about the Wacky, much like Mad Mad World, everybody has, like, a plan, and it's slightly convoluted and slightly stupid, and you want to see how it's going to mess up on that person. And no one had a plan here, other than, like, like see, see Asuka, I guess, but, like, I'm not loving Oscar's characterization. And I think some people are enjoying the wrong parts of Oscar's characterization too much backstage when they're writing for her. Um, but like everyone else, no one has a plan. They're just, they're just cannon fodder. Like, or, or they're bumbling, they're bumbling morons. But again, no, no gimmick inside of the match. If you ever watched the wacky races and I, I know someone has who listens to the show. Cause they got Muttley as their icon. Love that guy. Uh, but, like, if you ever watched them, they had, like, an Adams Family-style ripoff, and so every time, like, th- those guys would, you know, bats would fly out, and, like, you know, a werewolf would come out and help them out. You had Dick Dasherly and Muttley, and they would do the classic cartoon villain, Wile E. Coyote sort of, like, things. And uh, who, who are some of the other wacky races? Ant I- Hill Mob and the Chugaboom. Oh the Ant Hill Mob. Okay, uh, Well, the Ant Hill Mob. I yeah, know. right, right. I, I got to say Ant Hill Mob always babyfaces with me. Um and the Ant Hill Mob would be running like kind of 1930s prohibition uh organized crime style gimmicks and stuff and and you'd want to see how each one of those gimmicks would pour onto it.
1: Yeah, Theoretically
0: yeah. with wrestling, you have characters who could come up with plans that are fitting inside of their character, but you'd have to be thinking about writing the comedy through the characters, Vince, rather than writing the comedy through yourself. Yeah, I... <laughs> and your daughter who can't act.
1: You know, you had the weird professor who would, you know, come up with crazy inventions and so. Yeah, no, I, I, like, I like your theory. I, I just remember <laughs> the, the Dana Brooke spot where she pulls down a briefcase full of money.
0: And I have some thoughts Sir, on this. Give it her more. She's a moron.
1: Yeah, they made her a moron, which is just fascinating given her treatment on raw or SmackDown the past couple of weeks, where she's gotten wins and everybody's like, oh, look at that. Um, I you know, number one, if she got to keep the money, it'd be awesome. Number two, why do you have briefcases like that in boardrooms? Do you are you having like middle management fight for corporate opportunities? And then just the just the 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 dumb Steph line and then having a folding chair in this room as if you know it just appeared there it was just it just there needed to be to me a little bit more quality control on the storylines I mean you killed Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio you killed them you threw them off a roof of a building and they oh they landed on a second roof as if that wouldn't hurt (laughs) and they're back wrestling on Monday night
0: the second roof the second roof thing right like it's so emblematic of WWE not thinking about meaning to any of these spots. And Corbin does that promo on Monday night where he's like, Yeah, I didn't even know there was a roof there, which I'm supposed to extrapolate. What you were trying to actually kill? Yes, that?
1: that's what you're supposed to extrapolate. That he is such a dastardly heel. He tried to kill two of his co workers in order to get the, because the risk as you know, is worth the reward, Chris.
0: (laughs) That's a a terrible characterization choice, right? But if you were (laughs) going to do that, Jeff, you would want that to mean something. You've now exposed Corbett as the type of man who would murder somebody. Guarantee you a month from now, that won't matter at all. No, it
1: won't. Not
0: not, not at one one I.O. The, the, The second roof will never be revisited again.
1: Yeah, and you know the food. You just need the trombone going wop womp after every single cameo. You
0: know, because Paul Heyman, he's fat. You see, so that's why he needs an entire table of food to himself.
1: Ray is Peter gazing in a in a bathroom. <laughs> I just that was the one that I go, no.
0: <laughs> well, the kids they love brother love. Everyone relates to this character. <laughs>
1: Oh, my favorite part is still Asuka dancing in the elevator. I howled at that.
0: That was a great... It was funny, but that was like also the closest to a mad, mad, mad world spot because mm-hmm. it's fitting her character, the one that she's been doing right now, or like a wacky racist type type of spot. But
1: it's like nobody did any strategy. Everybody's asking where the briefcase is, where's the stairs. It's like, did anybody do any of their due diligence before entering this match? It was just, you know, the, the Vince spot see for me the no, the comedy note on the Vince spot is they should have drawn that thing out until we got sick of it and it became funny again, where Vince is just he putting on the the, the, the antibacterial. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Yes, he should have been, like, slathering. Like, and he just keeps staring at them and keeps putting more and more hand sanitizer on his hands. Like, starts rolling up his sleeves, starts, like, slathering it on his arms. No,
1: I mean, after they leave, where it's, yeah. where it's just the camera is there in the office. And he's just cleaning and it's just a ridiculous amount of time. Just an absolute ridiculous... And then it goes back. That was my...
0: <laughs> no, it, but, again, those type of jokes... And need- and tim, it's tim
1: and Air, it's anti-comedy
0: right. right Well, okay it's not even the anti-comedy component it needs the person who's going to be the butt of the joke to be able to go there mm-hmm. and Vince always has to be the guy getting over even in a joke
1: yeah and that was that was the unfortunate part i i i think uh yeah them, yeah. them having the power That's- over the talent in terms of the humor right.
0: really it's distracting from the match and so like yeah i mean it you can have them all freeze um, and and like I w- the anti comedy moment I think is a good way for them to you know for the talent to not lose their heat as we have this little comedy beat in it. But you at the end of it too, you can't have Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles outside of Vince's office just like doing bad comedy writing <laughs> and also like obsequious characterization where they're like, "Oh, we ups- AJ has
1: PTSD <laughs> into the room with a casket." Uh, yeah, and and and, and there, there's the other thing is he didn't establish the reality. Is this a normal workday? Is that why Steph and Vince and Paul Heyman is in the cafeteria for some reason? Then we need we need to. Or why
0: is nobody in the building? Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's very strange. Yeah, like like some people are still working despite the fact that they're having a match there. Like it's it's an absurd plot, and everything that we're describing to sort of quote unquote punch this up isn't necessarily going to yield a better wrestling match at the end of it, but I, we're trying to talk about making a watchable product with these people in it. Like there are ways to improve it. I don't know that you get to good wrestling though.
1: The only other note I had on money in the bank was I thought, I thought Bailey and Tamina overdelivered. I thought it was, you know, it wasn't a great or even very good match, but man, for what it was, people give Tamina way too much crap. Now it got a little too clever at the end because Tamina had to, needed to be in the ring to grab Sasha's leg and she was a little bit behind but she's also i think 43 years old and she was keeping up the pace with Bailey who I thought worked her ass off in this match and just doesn't get enough credit for it but I thought it was a better match than everybody groaning in pre-show things were were giving it credit for
0: yeah I mean, you're not look. there.
1: It, it's obvious you're not there with me. Okay, look, no. Here, here's
0: here's what I'm gonna say. It, I, it's not as though Tamina has lost a step. No, she never had a step. <laughs> you finished that sentence.
1: I I just I just accidentally did. <laughs> yeah, I, I I you know, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put it up as one of the greatest women's matches of all time. But it was serviceable. It was fine. It was solid everybody played their part well, you know, got over, you know, the, the, the best feud in this match was Bailey versus Michael Cole. So, <laughs> I, the
0: place for Tamina has always been just as somebody's heavy, too, on the mm-hmm. outside of the ring. And I think, you know, Tamina can still do that. She can still exude confidence, throw a clothesline in the outside of the ring. And, you know, I, I like Tamina as the insurance policy character. She can still do it. She yeah. still exudes and works that character just fine. So we get to I, Raw. It might even get more interesting as um, she advances a little bit in age.
1: I, yeah, I just, I don't see her being around
0: too much longer. I gotta be honest. I, I I, no, I, I concur with that. I, I, you, you, would you say her heart's not in it in some of these matches?
1: I wouldn't go that far. I just, I just you know, you know, Vince and age. And it's one of those things. Um, so we get to Raw. And we have this dramatic opening moment with Becky just, Cutting a promo of her life to me. I mean, it's 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 everything I want in television. It makes you feel something. She's obviously torn up about it, even if she's playing up the sadness a little bit, which I don't think. And then they make the call to have Oscar come down. And I'm not going to go Joe Lands and say Oscar is female Otis, but can we not do the clown stuff when Becky's pouring her heart out, please?
0: It's the thing that Vince has decided he likes the most about this new Oscar character. It it used to be when Oscar first introduced this, the craziness was a wrinkle in the intensity, mm-hmm. and now the zany craziness is the thing that Vince likes the most. And um, <laughs> you I what this, says, what this is this is Oscar's Otis. Hold on, I wouldn't say Oscar's Otis because. There's another layer going on to the Asuka thing that I find more offensive than the Otis thing. What? I think that it's I think it's stereotypical bare minimum. The gimmick's based around, oh, she speaks Japanese and nobody understands it.
1: I I I will go there with you. Um even though we want her to just speak Japanese, it's become that clownish broken english mixed in there, japanese as opposed to
0: flashing up subtitles so yeah she has scripted lines there's a different way of doing this right she has scripted lines everyone's got scripted lines you flash up subtitles underneath and what she's saying is normal stuff or even if she's saying it crazy you read the line and there's a juxtaposition between the (laughs) delivery and what's written on the screen um uh, uh, go ahead sorry we don't ever understand what she says so she's just a raving lunatic even though she's speaking words Mm -hmm. she's speaking words in a language that we don't understand because we know less
1: yeah easy peasy more japanese and then and she and then she starts a becky chant to an empty arena and i'm just like what are you doing you the only thing that could have ever been staged worse is if Roman Reigns comes out and, and makes his leukemia announcement, and they have the bushwhackers come down and lick him in the head and make everything all right for him. <laughs> You're just, that, that's the level of stupid I thought this thing was.
0: Or, well, like, Roman Reigns has to hand over the title, and he has to hand over the title to King Corbin, and King Corbin starts cutting a negative promo on Roman right there.
1: Yeah, I'm
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and Well, I'm going to be a real champion now since you can't do the job, buddy. Well, you
1: know what? It's funny you say that because later in the show, we get the Shayna Baszler promo, which, look, I get heat. This crossed a line for me. This, this, because the opening line where how stupid do you have to be to get pregnant in the in the hottest part of your career? That's Vince's voice in my head and i can't get oh, out yeah. of that
0: oh yeah no no you, you hear that line? that is that is a vince syntactical structure it's either that, that it's a Vince vibe this, i will give an out for this
1: this could be Heyman being edgelord hayman
0: but then it continued on there were other i don't yes. i didn't down that promo line for line there oh, but there on. were other things there were other things in that promo that distinctly smell of WWE speak and WWE style copy. It, it was, I mean, this was part of a larger problem, though, throughout the show, even with the baby faces who were trying to say nice things about the pregnancy. Everyone talks about pregnancy very, very weird on, on this. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying this in, like, a, a political way. It's like, oh, you got a bun baking in the oven and stuff. It, it's just, it's just a weird way of talking about it that I felt very, um, I felt very taken aback by and and the shade of Basil promo was like the worst part of that. Like I found that promo to be offensive.
1: Yeah. The, uh, (laughs) have you seen the father? (laughs) You're just like, Oh my God, really? You went there. Um, (laughs) it was just, it, it was, you know, there, there's being, you know, the way to do it would probably be the oh well, too bad, so sad. Now it's an opportunity for me. You do it within
0: the world. This you know, is like uh, when they had the Bellas fight, and one of them said to the other, "I wish you had died in the womb." Yes, like way, way, way too far.
1: Yes, I just and and <laughs> my favorite. Oh God, the, the, the natty line. I'll, I'll read this for Ben. The natty line to set up set up the Shayna match. Hey, Shayna, do you know how bad it looks to disrespect the miracle that is
0: motherhood? Right, right. (laughs) This company can't write, uh, they shouldn't write about pregnancy, and they can't write about pregnancy.
1: You have, to me, bringing out Seth as, (laughs) Seth is just sad sack morose, can't get out of bed because his girlfriend broke up with him type of catatonic character.
0: And it's even weirder to reference that to have Shayna reference yes. Seth Rollins right now in this because I guess we're talking. I mean, when she says, "Have you seen the father?" I guess the charitable read of this is, "Yeah, I mean, look at who Becky Lynch is, uh, the dad is this guy who thinks he's the Messiah of wrestling and he's in the midcard."
1: But it said it's the guy who's mourning he'll never be able to date again because.
0: Well, he did have excellent taste in women, Jeff.
1: Oh yeah. Um, some of them uh, <laughs> um, but yeah I just, I found that whole connection. Everybody knows Seth and Becky are an, item, are an item What are we doing with that Character? Good lord I, And this show Oh, this raw, this raw The, the Street prophets
0: <laughs> Man, Viking creators. People, people who think that this is just an audience Away from being good, I got news for you Buddy <laughs> <laughs> that, that is not the problem here
1: there's nothing wrong with the comedy of watching the street prophets do a basketball match against the Viking Raiders, unless you make it canon that the Viking Raiders have never seen a basketball before and have no idea about the rules of the game, even though they bailed on the joke in the very last part of the vignette. I yeah, just...
0: there, there are a number. I, I did have a pro- like. I don't. I don't have a problem with the street prophets. Um. Hanging out with the Viking Raiders, um, and like they have to compete against each other, but they're baby faces, so they have fun. like it's a very almost old school 80s thing. They have fun, there's a little bit of tension behind them, so that you know when they have a match that maybe things could escalate or whatever, but it's still kind of like an okay vibe. I don't even have a problem with the Street Profits playing basketball, guys. They've been coming to the ring in basketball outfits for years. Like, like I, where did they get those? Uh, presumably they play some basketball somewhere. Um, okay, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But I didn't like the, you know, white guys can't jump stuff going on. Like, like there, there were things that were, once again, playing on a dated style of humor that's, I mean, first – First sin of comedy is always, it's unfunny. Um, and there was a lot of that going on in the skit here. And then, yeah, to your point, they don't even kind of stay internally consistent with the comedy trope story that they're trying to tell. And so at the end of it, I just kind of found it unsatisfying.
1: Yeah, I just, in the midst the of this.
0: wasn't very funny, right? They have a basketball game and the Street Profits completely wiped the floor with the Viking Raiders and?
1: Yeah, and then, and then and then the and then the Viking Raiders reveal that they can actually play basketball. And it's just like, all right, whatever. Womp womp. Um in the midst of all this, we get the reintroduction. Well, two things. We get told that there's what is how did they word the wild card rule this time? It it's preposterous. It's it's like the the free pass opportunity or something like that
0: where they, they should have called it like the inter-show visa or
1: something. Yeah. they're like, well, that's how it is. It's like four times a year, a star from one show can appear on the other one. And it's like, you know, they're throwing that out the window by July.
0: It, it's okay. I, I know I have a real, I don't know, but I have a hunch how we got here. I think they wanted to get rid of the brand split altogether. And people from Fox and USA were like, nah, no, no, no. Uh, but they also need creative mobility because the ratings are in the toilets.
1: Well, they also need creative mobility because nobody's flying in. So it's one of those also, things where it's like...
0: So there's like lots of layers to this. But, but I think that that's how we arrived at this weird midpoint that's very unsatisfying. And once again, just sort of like a... It's a deus ex machina, but like a very like uninspired one
1: in the midst of this morass, we get the glorious reintroduction of the Iconics who, who have their working boots on to that night. I, I liked this and, um, you know, I hope it's a little bit more of an edge for the Iconics. I don't think it will be because, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're going to get them making fun of Nikki cross and we're going to get, you know, it's, it's an Alexa bliss, Nikki cross angle. So it's going to be, you know, cute girl, ugly friend taking on pretty girls, and it's going to be staged that way. But I liked the reintroduction. I like bringing them back on TV because they always make me laugh for some reason. But, uh, yeah, any
0: I don't think that it's going to be a big push for the Iconics, but what I do think that this could present narratively is like an opportunity to kind of drive a little bit of a wedge between Nikki and Alexa. I think they'll ultimately overcome it. But you can have the Iconics – Sort of needle Alexa about her prior heel greatness and how Nikki Cross has been dragging her down. Chris, um, which, you know what
1: we need in the show is more wedges because we just don't have enough of those.
0: No, no, no. Well, <laughs> you know, I see. Here is the thing: I, I was listening to AEW commentary this week and I learned that women love fighting with each other.
1: Oh yes, the, oh, it was like is Ross taking. Are they taking notes from the Jerry Lawler playbook? That in the line was during a. Oh,
0: that is that is totally a byproduct from hanging out with Jerry Lawler too many years because he used to say that exact line.
1: Jim Ross uses the line "brothers gotta get paid," and I went, "What in the? What are we doing with our lives, Chris?" I just. But that's tone deaf on AEW's part. We get speaking of wedges, we get the Austin Theory Angel Garza. Los Ingobernables Orlando faction that's just breaking up before our eyes, which is not interesting in any way.
0: No, because <laughs> what's the Capelli babyface out of this? The person who would be the Capelli babyface would be Angel Garza. Yes. But they moved away from the babyface character with him. And, I mean, like, you know, if they've been thinking this out at all over the last several months. You'd have – a semi-tense relationship between Angel and Umberto, but their family and family does stick together. And like, like Umberto comes to the aid of Angel when Andrade and Austin Theory turn on Angel Garza. But like right now, the dynamic is that Andrade and Angel are needling Austin Theory. And who cares about Austin Theory in the context of the show? Because you haven't done anything to make us care about Austin Theory. And when you brought him on, you turned him into a heel within like two weeks. And also all this stuff has been um, not hot at all. I was trying to think what's the opposite of white hot. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's whatever that is.
1: And then the end of raw, this edge, Randy Orton thing where our girl Chuck, I love Charlie Caruso. Don't get me wrong. I think she's fantastic at her job, even though they don't let her really do her job. It might be the greatest match wrestling match of all time. And Some, show someone's a little bit uh a little bit butthurt by the comments about the edge orton wrestlemania match being one of the worst wrestlemania matches of all time someone someone got a little bit needled by that someone's a little gotten to i think chris
0: oh yeah this, this is why they're insisting on having a wrestling match now But
1: they don't even use wrestling in the day-to-day vernacular of wwe it's almost that, a band that's the, term. Most,
0: that's the most obvious term like tell right like all everything else it's a studious avoidment of avoidance uh of the word wrestling i mean even in this week's Commentary and this week's storyline angles. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. There there were other storyline angles where they say like you know entertainment or like I love performing. Oh, when they were talking about the Intercontinental Title on SmackDown, they didn't say wrestling at all about that. Like they were talking about it being the workhorse belt, and they were saying all these other things. But like we all know that like the way people talked about the Intercontinental Title in yesteryear was it was the wrestlers' belt. Uh, you know it was it was the belt with, where all the wrestling was done. But they used wrestling. In the context of Orton Edge, that's the tell. Like, somebody is very, as you said, butthurt about the comments about that horrible WrestleMania skit.
1: So we get to SmackDown. And SmackDown, the subtitle should be How to Kill a Hot Babyface in Two Hours. Otis, who I will take my victory lap on now, won the Money in the Bank briefcase. Everybody look at Hawkins. How can you say that? Hawkins, how can you say that? Do you have inside information? No, I didn't. But he's the hot character on SmackDown, and it had to go to somebody on SmackDown. And Baron Corbin held the briefcase on the Go Home Show. Very easy. One, two, three.
0: Oh, yeah, Jiffy.
1: He comes out and he dances with the briefcase.
0: He doesn't just dance with the briefcase, he tries to have sex with it.
1: Yes, he tries to have sex with it. He has he's coming out on ms t v and they've turned him into Eugene for some reason, just not not only just lovable and big glute, not only just a Chris Farley character but a dumb Chris Farley character. He has meat in the briefcase we're doing gender identity jokes from John yeah, Morrison
0: yeah. yeah, right, okay, so the Ms and Morrison dynamic was in addition to having that horrible joke about, oh, he could be pregnant because he's fat. <laughs> like it's not just a pregnancy joke, Jeff. It's a fat joke. Cause you see, he has a big belly and when women get pregnant, they're fat, but they're not fat. They're actually just pregnant, but it's 2020 now and you see gender spectrum. Ha 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 the worst part, I mean, that is a very offensive joke. Like, it's a bad joke. Uh, it's a bad joke, though, beyond anything else. It's not just that, you know, like, it, you know, touches some nerves. It's just not funny on top of everything else. And Ms. and Morrison's dynamic, those guys initially had some chemistry when you put these two together a few months ago. It was completely absent during this.
1: Yeah. Now, Chris, there are two stories you can tell with this Otis character. <clears throat> and really only two stories you can tell. The first is... Big, dumb, lovable glute wins over the heart of a woman far too attractive for him. Gets this money in the bank briefcase and gets screwed out of it somehow by the hot woman and and someone who's a co-conspirator. And then we feel bad for him. And eventually we go on his hero's quest to regain this this title opportunity slash title and he overcomes the odds and wins it and everybody applauds and cheers and goes home happy the other one is big dumb galoot gets gets this gets this title opportunity gets crapped on for weeks upon end as not being good enough not being the type eventually overcomes with the support of this hot woman whose coverage he is outkicked somehow overcomes the odds Wins the title, still a good guy. The story here is he will not succumb to the ring like Gollum. He
0: has this title. There's a third. There's a third one here, which is that he. It's kind of like the Rudy Rocky story. Yes, where, that's what I'm
1: meaning. Go yeah, ahead.
0: He, he's trying to go the distance. Um, and he he ends up cashing in against Braun Strowman. Has. A really tough match against Braun Strowman. Braun goes heel, and Mandy's in peril, and Otis makes the decision: the girl, not the title; yeah. the relationship, not the title. And so he loses, but he wins. Um, and that really connects us. But it goes right back to your point. Continue, Jeff.
1: No, I I think that's a that's a heck of a story too. I I don't want Braun to turn again. Um, but, no, I,
0: but I mean, I guess you could. I don't know who he cashed it. but, cash in, but the
1: main part of this story. Chris, for us to go along on this journey with the hero is he has to be heroic. He cannot look at this briefcase and go, I am going to take a crass opportunity to take a match. Like say
0: it if. Yes.
1: Yeah, say if, say if Braun Strowman were attacked by the fiend and they were in the midst of a tag team match, maybe Otis takes a look at that briefcase for a short moment, but we're all going, no, Otis, you can't do this. This would be the wrong thing to do. And he eventually says, nope. And he helps Braun Strowman up. But at the end of this SmackDown, Chris, what does Otis do?
0: He looks at the, when Braun turns his back, Otis looks at the briefcase and it's like, do it, do it. It's the monkey's paw, like compelling him to do the evil thing. It's corrupting him. It, it, the, the whole story here is money corrupts. Last week it was climb the ladder because you want to achieve greatness. Then you, you get the briefcase and it turns you into a monster. It not only turned you know, it didn't turn him
1: into a monster, though. It turned him oh, into not a yeah,
0: but but like it's an evil influence on you. He
1: went weasel heel. He went, oh no, just kidding with you, dude. Just just fun and just a joke. Let's shake hands now. When Braun had called him out, and I mean, when Braun is the competent babyface here, he goes. I know how these things end. I know what's going on. But I think
0: well, you're a good person. Talk about that earlier on too, right? Yeah. yeah cool. So honestly, if you want to take that earlier promo between Strowman and Otis and run with it logically, narratively, now here's how this ends. It ends with Otis turning into a heel and beating yes. Strowman. Yes, that's just after doing the worm
1: too they made braun do the damn worm and i'm just like all right we're not gonna make him tough either but now we're gonna make him dumb we're gonna make him giant sting even though he cuts this promo and he goes i know what's going on i know what happens to people when they get this because i've been there and it's like my I just
0: yeah. The storyline is power corrupts. Oh. The, the opportunity corrupts. It's you. Lord of the Rings. It's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh yeah. The ring is is corrupting unless you have a truly pure soul. <laughs> and and Otis is supposed to be the pure soul. You can't get more pure than that. The implication here is that
1: Strowman's the pure soul, but it's supposed yes. to be Otis. It's like David versus Goliath. Oh, that's unrealistic. Let's have Goliath go over here. I ju- I just. I, I ended that show, and I just threw my hands up, and I go, how can I deconstruct this other than ranting and being negative?
0: Oh, my God.
1: But there were a couple bright spots on this SmackDown. I loved Gulak and Daniel Bryan, loved the match, loved the end where they hug it out and nobody turned on each
0: other. No, oh, it's great. I I love that these two guys are just, like, free to have good wrestling matches. And, like, there's, they're not doing a ton with the characterization, but, man, that was a great match. That was fun. I, I enjoyed the dynamic there. That Like, that was – that's worth watching. If you're like, what am I going to watch on SmackDown? Just go and watch that. And Hell yeah. I- it's
1: Daniel Bryan's fantasy fed where he just, he just gets to – do what he wants, you know, on our number one and say and the and hell. With you know
0: what? In front of a crowd that has the greatest opportunity of getting the fans excited right now out of a lot of the stuff they've been putting on, on the main roster.
1: And, and my, as God is my witness, I loved, loved, loved the Sonya Deville promo. I loved that Sonya corpsed Dolph in the middle of it. and Dolph is just trying to hold it together and I wish he had kind of given out a heel laugh kind of like when JJ or Tully or Arn would pop flair during a horseman promo and you could actually see the evil joy that that flair was getting out of saying something just nasty about somebody else Sonya's great loved it
0: and it's weird, like how is she gonna fit back into the Otis storyline eventually? It seems like what they're gonna go with is that Sonya ends up like costing Otis this title shot.
1: Yeah, for Dolph, and Dolph takes it and gets. The yeah, or,
0: or something, and then Mandy needs to get comeuppance on Sonya, and we end up going back to Mandy and Sonya one more time.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, and how does Tucker fit into this? Because it already looks like he's, he's, he's not only been genetic, he'd be, he's been jettisoned. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm, I'm a little fearful about this whole thing, but yeah, I any anything else on either? Oh, oh, Charlotte, <laughs> I almost forgot. Charlotte's now a babyface again, kids, she comes out and sees dissension between Aunt Pam and her sassy friend Sasha. I just,
0: and, and that's how she turns herself babyface. It's not any sort of fundamental changing of her character to make no. her more endearing in any way. It's just. Well, I'm just going to rag on some heels, and and really what it comes off as, and this is the problem, what we were recapping with Becky Lynch's career earlier. A lot of times, Charlotte's supposed to come out there and be a babyface, but really all she's doing is being the big heel, sticking their foot on the smaller heel, and in that moment, existing in a realm of truth because they are the bigger one.
1: Yeah, they should have you know what it should have been, it should have been a celebration of heels that Becky was leaving. And then and then eventually it gets into a little bit of sniping about Bailey cashing in on Charlotte, and then it grows from there, I think. I just I have this strong feeling that quote unquote Heel Charlotte drops the NXT title, but babyface Charlotte that like on that next Friday wins wins the SmackDown women's title, and we're back at stage one all over again because because Charlotte's not moving the ratings as we thought on NXT, and we need her to be strong, and we need to get to that 16 title thing. I just I, – I can see this as an entire reboot.
0: Uh, we danced around the numbers, but uh, for those of you who are listening who don't know them, they're both in the 600,000s this week for NXT and AEW, right?
1: I I thought it was even lower. I thought they were both in the 500,000s, like by 50 – and it was like uh, – uh, but whatever it was, it was like 650 to 600 or 550,
0: know, like, 500. Started. Nine months ago, and there was three million people in a pie that we were trying to split up, and now we're under one point five million.
1: Yeah, and uh, probably plenty of reasons for that. As we transition, unless you have something else on SmackDown and Raw,
0: I I don't, I don't.
1: NXT, <laughs> it just it's become main roster with
0: yellow ropes. <laughs> no, yeah, it's 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 what. That- yeah, Matt Riddle is like an odyssey type of character, right? Like, it, it, bro is it, bro, yeah.
1: This turn, we know it's coming,
0: but it's so unearned. It was so unearned here. Yeah, and like, like you could have made this work. You knew that Thatcher was getting annoyed by Riddle, but man, tell that's like really tell the story. Yeah, yeah, open up with a open up with a video package this week of Riddle. And Thatcher – and Riddle is being obnoxious. Like, like I, I don't know. Maybe – I don't know what they're doing. I'm not even going to try to, like, envision a skit, especially with, like, the world the way it is right now. But, like, the, whatever Riddle is doing, Riddle is absolutely getting under Thatcher's skin, and you're almost sympathetic to it. But Riddle's also, you know, just oblivious. He's not being a jerk about yes. it. Yes. And then that transfers into the match. This is what we, you and I said this like a month ago. It's Frank Grimes and Homer Simpson. <laughs> um, it, it, like that is the story you need to tell because it's also the story they were trying to tell um, it, whether they knew it or not. And then you get into this match here and like, there's like a flub and Thatcher loses his mind. He turns into a frothing madman um, after this match. It, it, it's not, it was without merit. Riddle trying to hold his own against Imperium didn't you know? It, I he mean, becomes stupid babyface as soon as he gets right. run out. But I he, mean, he should have. What he should have done is run after Thatcher, yes. right? Yeah, like because one, you get counted out and you retain your titles. Yes, um, and, and, and you, you're, you're, you're trying to you're, reti- you're trying to save the team. So you, also, you're trying to save the team, and also, like, what the hell did Thatcher just do to you? Like, like he's the focus now.
1: Yeah, I just and we haven't learned anything about Thatcher to really bring other than he has a grr face and he's a little serious. But they've only put that over for two weeks. This this need to be six months of this.
0: I, yeah, oh, I, no, no, I like at least a few more weeks of this. Um, but like they just they just gunned through this. Um, I I wouldn't have I mean I wouldn't have had such a problem with it if it was Riddle trying to find interim. Tag team champions while Stallion Pete is away and not really finding the one, which would have been another way to go off of the newly Bros game. Uh, but like to have to have Riddle just lose the title here to Imperium. I don't really think it helps Imperium either.
1: Yeah, it's it's just uh, just he fits in Imperium if they put Thatcher in there, but a five person stable is a little bit much. He but maybe fits he's
0: Imperium, but. Honestly, it would have been better if he had said, "You know what? The Imperium guys think the Matt is sacred, which is what I think. Um, you, Matt, think that everything is funny and that everything's a joke. Yes. I don't think like that."
1: Yeah, show me or tell me, tell me and show me in this yeah. case. Yeah, I just it it just and then the level of anger didn't fit the level of. He got he accidentally got hit during a tag match and he just loses it and you're just
0: like no. This is unearned. You can't. I, it makes, I, makes him look stupid, too. Yes. Yeah, you're trying to make him a heel, but now he has. And this is, a, this is a, an evolution from stupid baby face syndrome, Jeff. This is stupid heel syndrome, where it, sometimes you need to have an unjustifiable reason for a heel to go heel. But there's a difference between unjustifiable and basically dumb as hell. Mm-hmm. And Thatcher was well on the other side of dumb as hell this week.
1: I agree. Um, add Tegan Knox and Indy Hartwell to a match. Uh, I'm not saying this because she's now gone full red, but man, Tegan Knox has every single Becky Lynch vibe that Becky had when she was the man. And I would bring her up to the main roster and would have, might've even ported it over the actual character to her. I mean, that's how strong it is to me.
0: That's interesting. Um, I can see that. You know, I, obviously they have Dakota Kai doing a different thing, but something about like the small, really tough, baby-faced girl, I think, would be an interesting wrinkle on the Becky Lynch character. Well, she um, her
1: whole she her whole persona cute. coming out is, you know, tough leather jacket. You know, I'm here to fight type of thing. I, I think it's it's great. And God, I loved I loved the vignette with Dakota and, and uh, Raina, or Raquel. But gotta explain those pants to me that 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 Dakota had the the ripped short slash jean type thing. I love this Dakota heel by way of the baseball furies from the Warriors character. I just but I howled at that visual.
0: Yeah, no, that that was funny. That was funny. Um, <laughs> what else What else on this show? It was I have
1: lot- the results in front of me. I'm going through
0: Um, We got Jake Atlas and Tony Nese. Jake Atlas, still a guy I don't feel like I have any meaningful connection to. Jake
1: needs, Jake needs to buck the company and just say gay, 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 just to get it out there because they're <laughs> tiptoeing <laughs> around it.
0: Yeah, they're tiptoeing around it. It's so weird because it's like, okay, you're basically – going into the fact that Mr. Atlas is gay, go with it then. Go with it.
1: Yeah, and they're afraid. They're deathly afraid of losing viewers over it. And the story they're telling is weak sauce. It's, I'm hoping to get this tiebreaker match with Drake it's, Maverick.
0: He's going to turn heel on Drake Maverick. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it feels like, right now, he seems like a disingenuous baby face. Um, explain this
1: Johnny Gargano vignette to me.
0: Okay, so I, I finally get what's going on in these. I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying I get it. Um so Johnny and Candace are still, you know, saccharin. It's the same way when Johnny comes out and does the entrance here. Only in the Johnny and Candace promos now, real Johnny's intentions and real Candace's intentions are coming out whenever we go into the black and white. I just did LSD moments. Um I don't <laughs> I don't get What that is. (laughs) I I was gonna reference um the old SNL skit ride the snake with Jim Carrey. I don't know if you remember that, but like when it went into the black and white thing, I, I did say Ride the Snake a couple of times during that. Uh yeah, it's very weird. Um I don't like so I we get that like there's the there's the top layer thing where there's still the loving couple, and then there's the underneath layer where they're like evil now. I don't get what's motivating that, right? Um, and and I, like, I get the frustration with the career and stuff, but there, there just there seems to be something missing with these characters. And it doesn't seem to have a ton of movement other than in this, they are at least telling you who their next targets are, right?
1: Yeah. It's just it's, – it's, it's an idea. I just don't know if it's a good idea.
0: It's not a fun idea. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I love a good – evil heel and this is not that these these are not there's not a fun wrinkle on their personality here or one that you'd want to see retained when they pivot out of these heel characters
1: finn balor and cameron grimes i i i really enjoyed just the slap fight that this became i i thought this was kind of your hoss match of the week even though you know it, the weird damian priest involvement is great but I thought Cameron Grimes came off looking pretty well on this thing.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and, you know, I think we have been doing a longer story with Grimes and Priest aligning with one another. And, you know, I think that that's actually going to be a, a really good tandem if the, you know, or could be a really good tandem if they had some, you know, good thought behind it because you've got Priest who can talk, grimes is a character man he and he's gonna be like an awesome second to damian priest you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah like he can I definitely hope
1: they pair them i hope they
0: pair yeah. them together and, and like they can work so you, i mean it, theoretically you've those, got those yeah.
1: vignettes the country city vibe is grounds for great heel promos right there
0: a hey, sleazy country sleazy city yes. uh, yeah yeah yeah, and, and, like, you could eventually, when you want to break them up, have, you know, a little bit of the country-city friction things start to happen. Give but me, initially, these guys united excited in me, their sleaziness and impressed by each other's different iterations of being dastardly. So you've got, you, got Priest urbane sleaziness, but Grimes's country, I-know-how-to-screw-you-over-by-taking-you-out-to-the-swamp sort of country.
1: Yes, give me Tex Avery by way of the Blue Bloods vignettes. The country-wolf-city-wolf wolf thing. Where where Damian, we're gonna go hit Manhattan and Grimes is just kind of lost, but you know, they're still maintaining their heelishness. I I I'm here for that. I, I I am. Um Gallagher and Isaiah Scott, I'm liking this Gallagher tough character. I just the the tournament doesn't mean anything to me.
0: Right, no, the tournament doesn't. Especially when you're watching the way that Charlotte's being treated and the the NXT Women's title is being treated. You know, going back to Legacy of Becky Lynch, one of the key things that she did is help elevate that title to really, really mean something. And right now, we are deep in a trough with that title. There are a number of titles that are just being handed around, sort of mindlessly, um, up to and including the WWE uh, Women's title. Or one of the two women's titles this week, which was just mysteriously an Oscar's briefcase. Uh, like so, this cruiserweight championship tournament. It would be interesting if anyone wanted to watch 205 live. No one does. 205 lives like a super dead product right now. And the cruiserweight title uh, is not a title that has been treated with any level of seriousness, uh, even on takeovers in recent months. So, like, why would I invest in this tournament? And it doesn't even really feel like they're using this tournament as a vehicle to really introduce us to these new characters. These guys are here because we need to have television because somebody said that we need to meet two hours on NXT every week. We can't just pare it down to one hour right now with the limited personnel team.
1: In a very 6.05 angle, Lacey Lane beat, or Lacey Lane, Caden Carter beat Aaliyah with Robert Stone, quote-unquote, scouting. Uh, Where does this go?
0: I feel like Aaliyah is going to try to get into the good graces of Robert Stone. but the maybe- story they're telling, but it feels like there's going to be a swerve somewhere in here. Yeah, okay, so I think the wrinkle is going to be over the next several weeks, Robert Stone's trying to get Caden Carter okay. to In the Stone brand. And, I mean, the, the way you end up with Caden as the strongest, which I think is you know kind of the outcome you and I would prefer here, is that like Stone tries to court Caden – Caden goes, I don't want to, you know, I want to achieve in this business. I don't want to achieve your way. Um, And then at that point, Aaliyah comes in to really try to impress Robert Stone and maybe even gets like the initial one up on uh, Caden Carter doing that.
1: Okay. I could see that. I could see, I could see that him souring on Aaliyah and then going with Caden, but Caden rebuffs. And then Aaliyah shows him something. Right. You know, that, yeah. Right, that right. kind of thing.
0: When he attacks Caden Carter. Because right. it'll be, you know, uh, he, he can't, he can't take it out on Caden Carter when he's been rebuffed, but Aaliyah's doing the thing that he wishes Hugh had been able to do. And then maybe even then, after that, Aaliyah is going to be kind of Stone's goober for Chelsea Green. Yes.
1: I, yeah, no, she, she's Rick Steiner in, the, in in Hot Stuff International. Yeah, she's or the Varsity Club even. Yeah, she's the flunky. And then finally, we have this Riddle-Thatcher match where the banana peel finish gets the roll-up on, on Thatcher, and Thatcher ends by putting an arm bar on Riddle and trying to tear the
0: arm out of his socket. Uh, this was just so dead, though. Like, like, this was an unexciting finish to the match. And then a, a really dead heat spot for yes. Thatcher. Like, <laughs> Riddle selling not great. Uh, just not great. All around not great.
1: Yeah, between this and a couple of the sports entertainment spots in, in AEW, the the, the the thing with the truck and Cody at the beginning where he just he taps a barricade. Ooh,
0: ooh, oh, oh here he comes. Good lord. And and that was, and, that was like with some of the worst WWE with cars stuff. Like that is right up there with them, like cause he drove the truck like five feet and then yes, he just, uh,
1: revs yeah. up the truck real fast and drives it five feet because we 're doing product fight we 're doing product placement for Ford, and we don 't want to dent the truck ooh, yeah, stone cold the stone cold Cody Rhodes here driving the truck, okay, do I put it in drive now okay i 'll go two feet ding i 'm getting out like a badass to fight and and then between that and the. Oh, the Sammy spot where he's limping like a geek the whole way down just to everybody can see it coming as a comedy spot. I just, I went, man, the sports entertainment was strong this week on Wednesdays.
0: Yeah, no, th- th- this was just like AEW w- was a rough watch for me this week. I I'll certainly say that, mm, but I yeah. just, yeah.
1: But if you want a a real in-depth thing on AEW voices of wrestling has its own show Everything Elite, you can also listen to The Flagship, Open the Voice Gate, Uh, Wrestling Omakazi. I believe we now have a quiz show on the network. I mean, there's just a whole lot of shows for whatever your (laughs) – they don't have a lot of nostalgia shows, but I may have to get one of those going if I ever get sick of just doing this deconstruction of WWE. But those are all at voiceofwrestling.com. Voice of Wrestling in your podcatcher. You know, for the entire network for us, we are Shake Them Ropes. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris and his trolling of various political personalities at Chris Novembrino. Chris, what are your other shows?
0: Some days I'm really on my on my uh my business here. I ha- I have heavy Twitter days and then I catch myself and go maybe I should uh, get off Twitter a little yeah,
1: bit. Yeah, I I have those too, but I also, you know, I have a burner. Monday
0: was a big But Monday was a mood, Jeff. I I'm not, I I'm not going to I call myself at the end of the day going, well, I was Really on this website today.
1: Yeah, I, I get that. I get, those, I get those days, especially when I'm doing live watches of wrestling, but uh, we've gone long. We need to get our plugs and go.
0: Okay. Okay. So um, if you want to hear, uh, we just did a great debate episode. Obviously we're moving into election season. People are interested in third parties. Not sure why, but maybe you'd like to hear a debate about third parties, particularly which is the bigger joke, the Libertarian or the Green Party. We get to the bottom of it by the end of the episode. I guarantee you we've got the final answer, so you got to go and listen to it over at Don'tWorry.TV or Patreon.com DWATG. My other show, the All in the Family podcast, again on hiatus. I like to think of it as a nap. Like, it takes a nap sometimes. It'll get up. It'll do, it'll do more stuff. But it, it, Hold it, on. Is it, is it
1: because you're pregnant and you have to go away for a while?
0: Yeah. You yeah, like, <laughs> get, get really lazy. I mean, yeah. that's one of the big problems of pregnancy. Uh, you're just not doing anything. So, you know, that's how it goes. Um, the show is taking a nap right now. It'll be back, but you can go and it's, like, archival and totally worth listening to, especially if you've never watched All in the Family. Worth watching. Um, allinthefamilypodcast.com for that. And you can find me on Twitter at Chris Nobimbrino
1: went along today, so it's a little bit longer than your average walk, but we appreciate your patronage as usual. We'll see you next week.